the entrepreneurial edge. This is our business service. And we said that the business world is the engine of growth. The private enterprise is the engine of growth. Right? Entrepreneurs, not government, are the backbone of a nation's economy. Entrepreneurial edge. And we began talking about reviving the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Let's take our text, then now. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I want to read verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable unto them because it was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should appear immediately. Hallelujah. Now, they were conscious of his soon coming. Then he taught this parable. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy, occupy, occupy. Come and talk to me now. Occupy. Praise God. And we learned that the word occupy means to do business. Do business until I come. In other words, it wants us to busy ourselves with something. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Are you all there? Now, watch this. I wish I could read to you newer translations, but let's see what, what it says in verse 14. But his servants hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Did you see that? And um, there's something I've come to take seriously, that life is like a trade. In Yoruba, we say, aye loja. In other words, life is like a market. We are trading every day. He gave unto them 10 pounds. Okay? And they asked them, what have you done with the money I gave you? And that suggests to me, number one, that God is my source. 
Now you can t say, I am a talented man. I have this gift. At, you call it a gift, right? So if it's a gift, it's a deposit of trust. You call it a gift. That God gave you a gift. So if it's a gift, then it came from God. I have a gift of singing. I have a gift of dancing. I have a gift of writing. Whatever the gift is, if you call it a gift, then somebody gave you, right? If somebody gave you, don't forget the word gift is from the word gave. It refers to something given gratuitously. See? Something given gratuitously. It refers to an act of grace. So if God gave you the gift, then of course God is your source. Are we together? Then God gave you your time. It gave you your time. Your time is also a gift. Because your time is the fragmental measure of your life. That's why we call it your life time. Your life is measured in days, months, and years. Are we together? I said, are we together? So it is evident that both your gift and your time came from God. And we learned that we are all trading. If you read the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, he gave one five talents. It says, according to his ability. Another one, two talents. According to his ability, he gave one, one talent. And the Bible says, the one that received five went and traded with it and received five more. Notice the use of words, traded. Traded. So now God gave you your time, okay? And if you invest your gift, how? You know, God gives you a gift or a talent. But unless the talent is refined, it is not yet a skill. So you may have a great voice. It's, it's still a gift. Until you do something with that voice, all you have is a gift. All you have is a gift. So you have to trade it. You invest it. How do I invest it? You invest your time to rehearse, get an education. God gave you your time to trade with. See? It gave you your time to trade with. There are some people who are very close to me. They, they are like my friends because they traded their time. They were always available. So now I'm close to them. See, and someone says, ah, Pastor is close to that guy. Why? He's available. He traded his time. We're trading. See, so we need to understand that God is my source. Say, God is my source. All right. So, 
if God is my source, you can write number two, then I am accountable to God. Number two, I am accountable to God. So, if God is my source, I'm accountable to God. I cannot just use my time or waste my time to say. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I'm reading, let me read from verse 10. It says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with might. In other words, everything you are entrusted to do, give it your best shot. So, consider every assignment as an opportunity. On your job, consider it as an opportunity. Every assignment, consider it as an opportunity. It says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might. There's a woman in the world, and she was from a very poor family, and she got my attention. Because, despite her poor background, she's a billionaire today. And she said, everything I have done, I have done it, watch this, giving it a hundred and ten percent. If you will increase everything you're doing, give it an extra ten percent effort, in the next five years, you become the best in your field. Proven. The South African cricket team, that's how they got where they got. Everything you're doing right, just give it an extra 10% boost. In the next five years, you become the best in your field. So he says, whatever your hand find that to do, do it with thy might. Then he says, for there is no work no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in the grave, without thou goest. So, if you are going to do well as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur sacrifices everything. I remember listening to Peter J. Daniels, the richest man in Australia, as a believer, by the way. And he was speaking to entrepreneurs, and he said, what are you willing to sacrifice on the way to your dream? What are you willing to sacrifice? How much are you willing to sacrifice to fulfill that dream? How much are you willing to sacrifice? He says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Give it your best shot. Life has little rewards for mediocres. Did you hear me? People want to do the least they can do to get by. Life has little rewards for mediocre. Verse 11. I returned 
and saw under the sun. Now, he just said something, so it's in the same breath. He said, whatever your hand finds to do it, because do it on my mind, because there's no, there's no wisdom, there's no work, there's no device in the grave. In other words, life is an opportunity. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor battle to the strong, nor yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance does what? Lost opportunity. I call that sad memories of a lost opportunity. If they were given the best shot to every opportunity, they would have gone farther. Oh, you're taking solo tomorrow. I'm taking solo. I'm going to spend more time praying. I'm going to prepare for this. I'm going to fast for this, so to say. And the individuals here and worships or ministers and the power of God is so, so strong. Like you've never felt it before. You see? Sister, I'm sowing the seed into your life. God said I should sow it into your life. And she's been believing for 20,000 naira. She never knew that this opportunity to minister was 20,000 naira. Time and chance happened to them all. Time and chance. I'm accountable to God. He's my source. He gave me the talent and I'm going to give account of my time. See, when you overcome or you master the habit of procrastination, then you can be trusted. You can be trusted by God and my men. See, because the entrepreneur is focused. See, and focus creates blindness. If you're focused forward, there's some things you won't see behind you. See? Hallelujah. Luke 19, please. I'm reading verse 12 again for clarity. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds. See? He gave each of them ten pounds. You see, a lot of times people say, I was not born with a silver spoon. Even if you were born with a wooden spoon, you can eat with it. Even if you're born without a spoon, you can eat with your hands. So, forget the excuses. He says he gave his ten, his ten servants ten pounds. So, I put it to you that we all have equal opportunity of success. 
Say, Pastor, that's a bold statement. Time and chance happened to some of them. To some of them. To some of them. To all. So, you cannot blame anyone for where you are. You treated with your time. And what you've treated your time with, or you've treated your time for, as a sign of where you are today. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Are you all there? Okay, watch this. It says... He given ten, ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But the citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded his servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know, watch this, how much every man had gained by trading. I told someone, I said, God is a capitalist. Because he wanted to know how much every man had what? Had gained. He wants to know whether I have known more. I have increased in my influence. He wants to know. Is your business better than the way it was last year? Are you better than the way you were last year? Why? Because your business can never grow beyond the ability to manage it. So instead of just blaming God, why don't you increase your leadership ability? See? Why don't you increase your leadership ability? God is my source. He gave me a gift. He gave me time. So I invest my time in developing my gift. I now gain skill. Good. But I have to. I have to do something. Maximize every opportunity. Every time I stand here to minister, it's not a joke. Think about it. You've got to learn to live with a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency. Jesus Christ said, I must walk the walks of him that sent me while it is day. In other words, you don't have forever. So, what you have to do now, do it. Don't wait till tomorrow. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound has gained ten pounds. Watch this. And he said unto him, well, thou, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over what? Ten cities. Because you've been faithful. Have thou authority over ten cities. I was listening to a dear man of God in South Africa and um, 
I don't know whether he has a similar call to do what I do, but he does teach his people some of the things I'm teaching you. And he talked about a man and his sons who started a business and they tithe and give the charity. And they are one of the fastest growing businesses in their field in America. Now, don't forget that Jacob was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. He was, he was going to serve Laban and what? And start his own business. Of rearing cattle. He was going to start his own business. So, what can we learn from Jacob? What can we learn from Jacob? Last week we talked about the personal dream and the impersonal dream. And I said, a business without a dream is like a life without a purpose. Then I said, you can have your own dream. What about God's dream for your business? Because we, we, we talked about the fact that there are two kinds of dream. We said the personal dream deals with your own Personal gain, your own personal gain, what are you going to make out of it? And this is how a lot of people dream. This is where it ends. But if you forget that business is beyond this, it's what am I willing to serve others with excellence for a price? There is an impersonal dream. What am I going to serve others? What am I going to provide to the customer? What am I going to provide to the individual, my clients? In a way and manner that no other person in my business field has done it. That is when you become an entrepreneur. Because the entrepreneurial age is doing what he's doing in a way and manner that has never been done. In a whole new way. He's a pioneer. He's a creator. He's not a copycat. So the impersonal dream. What am I going to serve? Let's look at Genesis 28. Let's learn from Jacob. Genesis 28. I want to read from verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, in other words, divine partnership. You don't God, how can your business last? So I know how to make it last. Hey, don't forget Lehman Brothers after hundreds of years crashed. So, if God will be with me, divine partnership. If God will keep me, divine protection.
See, the man was stating a deal with God. And will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on divine, protect, divine provision. See, he's recognizing God as his source. He's going to work quite all right. Divine provision. Bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I may come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me. See that? I will surely give the tenth unto thee. The tithe. The tenth. I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Not many Christian businesses are in partnership with God. And it shows me that when I'm tithing, I am partnering with God. He said, it's making me see three benefits. Divine partnership, my business tithes. Divine protection, I am preserved. Divine provision. See? Since I will come to my father's house in peace. Some people started their businesses. It was thriving and they died young. What can we learn from Jacob? We are learning from biblical businessmen. Jacob was an entrepreneur. He discovered how to produce. Hear me. How to produce. Should I call it clone or whatever? Or genetic modification by putting poplar wood in front of the animals. Think about it. And he ended up becoming richer than his master. Where did that idea come from? From God. So, you want to start a business. God gave you the idea. You want to start this business. You're just jumping up without clarifying partnership. I don't understand my business. I don't know what is happening. I don't just understand. God is not a partner. You've read all the books on business. You've read the best books on leadership. You've read all the best books. But there's a divine element that is missing. I told you about the richest woman in Singapore, she's a believer and she's worth two billion dollars and she was from an orphanage. And she meditates on two scriptures and I told you two scriptures. Can you remember? If you don't know it, by preparing for success. Every day. She recognizes divine partnership. So now, this business is not just my business. This is his business. One of the fastest growing church in America, the church is just uh, is less than 10 years old. And I noticed that everybody in the, in the church is exploding. There's this explosive proportions of growth in their businesses and in their careers. And I observed that he taught them what I'm teaching you now. To tithe. 
how an employee, one of the stories I was watching on Daystar, how, how an employee became as wealthy as his former employers in America. Divine partnership. Have you come to a point where you say, this business, let's say, uh, Ungozi and Co. Okay? That's, Father, we're going into a partnership. You're giving me this business, I'm going to give you a tenth of every profit we make. There's a partnership. So, since the kingdom is involved in this business, see, now God is going to see that it, it goes high. God is going to see that it grows. The kingdom is involved. Divine partnership. The man said, if thou will keep me. Protection. If thou will be with me. Partnership. And keep me in the way that I go. And give me bread to eat. And a raiment to put on. So then I come again to my father's house and said, the Lord shall be my God and I shall give him a tenth of all that you give to me. He was, you are the source. Without you, my business is sunk. Not many Christian businessmen run their business that way. And how can he lift you so high when he knows you will take the credit and the glory for it? Talk to me now. So you have men like Peter J. Daniels that is not ashamed to tell the world he's a Christian. He's not ashamed to tell the world about his giving. He's one of the biggest givers in the history of Christianity. And he's the richest man in an entire country and he was a bricklayer. At 26 was when he got saved. He was a bricklayer. But he became a partner with God. And God told him to influence the world for the next 300 years. He said, I didn't even have paper to write it down. I saw a serial carton and I wrote down God's dream for my life. It was an impersonal dream. But now, he's recognizing the UN, he talks to the UN, he addresses the UN, an individual, a Christian businessman. How many Christian businessmen can stand and talk to the UN and they will listen? They're not partners with God, they're feeding their stomachs. They are filling their stomachs. He said, you've been faithful over a little. And I'll give you authority over 10 cities. Now he has authority over nations. He's an ambassador at large for his nation. And some other countries make him an ambassador of their nation. Then leave that tight matter. Pastors are looking for what to eat. Continue. They'll be eating without you. 
Have they not been eating without you? You have been giving them bread to eat. So you must think about it. God is my source. God is my source. Then if God is my source, okay, Lord, this is the idea I have. So what, what are the instructions? What is a dream? You pray about it and he tells you, this is what I want your dream. And hear me, God will always, hear me, he will always expand your dream. God never gives small dreams. Never. Because God's dream was big enough to require his ability and his involvement. He never gives small dreams. Mm-mm. The dream will be above what you could ever ask or think. See? No, think of a bricklayer. He's walking on the road. And God says, do you know you can influence the world for the next 300 years? Can a human, can a human do, being do that? He said, yeah. The lifespan is about 80 years. So at least the next three generations of your life are covered to 240 years. Can we get into this partnership together? Hey, bricklayer! Who could not read? Then he bought a dictionary. He started preparing himself. And that's where, that's where a, lot of us, a lot of us live in that dream, land of wishful thinking. We keep on dreaming. Dreaming alone is not enough. Yes, dream. Dream according to God's design. Because God's dream for you will be suited to your personality. See? It will be suited to your personality. It will be suited to your gifting. Dream according to God's ability. God's dream will always require his involvement. His provision. See? Because when I get God's vision, which is God's dream for my business, the word vision is from the Hebrew word kazon, which means to see. See? What future are you seeing? Describe it on paper. Learn to dream on paper. Dream in print. Dream on paper. Write it down. Because writing crystallizes your thinking. Write it down. Dream on paper. And now you take that dream and say, Lord, this is what I believe you're telling me. Are there any modifications? He said, yeah, I want you to remove this, remove this, enlarge this. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Take my healing power to the nations. Lord, at least now I have a bigger faith, but then like African nations. He said, no, I said nations. Did I say African nations? I said, no, sir. I said nations. I said, that means Europe, not Central, and South America, Asia, the Middle East, Oceania, and Africa. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Take your dream to God. Partner with him. Because we've created our own dreams. So now, you are going to be your sponsor. Because every partner that's going to invest in your business will give you certain conditions. Are you saying this is what you're going to do? 
If I'm bringing in all the money, I should be able to tell you he who pays the piper that takes the tune. So if you're saying, I want to I do something, I want to I, I make a mark. The Bible says you are the light of the world. So Christians ought to impact their world with one life. You're saying, how can that be? Jesus, the Bible says, he left us an example to follow. That's what the Bible says, he left us an example to follow. And Jesus says, so long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And he was one man, yet God. From one point, he impacted the whole world. He said, you two can do the same. He said, how can that be? Peter J. Daniel has done it. Paul Crouch has done it. There are a lot of Christian business people. Look at the woman in Singapore. What $2 billion? Put it in Naira. A woman from an orphanage in partnership with God. In partnership with God. I wonder what God could do with your life if you, if you will get into partnership with God. So now, Ungozi and Co. Oh, Ife and Sons, there is more to it. There's a senior partner. Say, Lord, every first 10% of our profit goes to you from our gross profit. We're not going to back down on it. Someone says, are you crazy? No, he's not. He's looking at becoming one of the largest businesses this side of the world. I don't know why, I don't know why unbelievers are having more. They give more. We were sat down analyzing Barcelona. They have a philosophy. They have a dream. Great. But only Barcelona gives a million, hear me, a million dollars every year to UNICEF. Tell me why they won't win lots of things the way they do. So children in the world are sure of one million dollars every year. And since God is always interested in giving, they should at least win. I was reading, actually watching on CNBC Africa. They were, they were reporting on... Um, a particular man's wealth is an unbeliever, sad to say. But now, this individual is one of the wealthiest men in the world. And here was the analyst standing in um, the New York Stock Exchange. And she was saying, we have observed that every time so-and-so gives, he makes more money. I was like, what? He makes more money. More money. Every time he gives. Now, he's given to charity. Not even tithing. Not tithing. So observe that most of the wealthiest men are what we call capital philanthropists. In other words, they're capitalists that give.
But a Christian guy doesn't want to. I've not heard that Steve Jobs gave to anyone. I've never heard he gave to anyone. And they died at an early age. Warren Buffett is still alive and he lives on junk food. He lives on junk food. Junk food. Science tells us, nutritionist tells us, don't live on junk food. You not live long. But he gives. All the money Steve Jobs amassed, he has left it for someone else to enjoy. All the money he amassed, the billions he amassed, because he was a brutal negotiator. Yeah, he, he gave us the iPad. Praise God he gave us the iPad. You didn't understand what I'm teaching you today. And yet, that old man eating sometimes from McDonald's, junk food, sleeping less, is still alive talking to people today. Are you in partnership with God? Are you in partnership with God? Are you in partnership with God? These men don't even understand what they are doing. The Bible says, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. As wealthy as Peter J. Daniels is. As valuable as his time is. If a secular person invites him to speak. He never collects a dime from a church. Nine billion Dollars. The bricklayer. Have you gone to God to partner with him? With your life? I have done that with my life. I brought my life to him. I said, Father... I gave you everything I am. My gifts, my mistakes, my weaknesses, everything. I gave you everything. Let's partner together and impact the world. And we just got, and that's many years ago. I still remind myself, I still tell God, here I am. 
We just got on the internet to put our blog spot. And amazingly, we noticed people from other nations of the world coming to our blog spot. I didn't say Facebook. Our blog spot. Just in the first month when we started. Why? We are partnering with God. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. Oh, we are giving for this. All right, I'm going to give this. And our business, we're, going to, we're in partnership with God. We're going to give this. See, there's some things I'm teaching you right now about giving and all this. I wish I knew them earlier. Because when I was 17 years old, some of you are about 17 years old. They didn't teach me this. I, I didn't know about uh, um, early enough about having a plan, all that. I discovered it by myself. When he started teaching us in church, I'd already read it. And I wish they taught me when I was just 17 years old. I'm teaching you about getting God's dream for your life. Bow your heads in Jesus' name. Have you been partnering with God with your business? With your life? Or it's your dream. It's your vision. Then you will fund it. But have you brought God into this and say, Father, this is it. Any correction? I'm ready. I'm ready to make the adjustment. I'm ready to make the adjustment. It's not about me. God's dream will always be bigger than your dream. Always. It's too big to fit in a finite mind. Think about it. Think about it. He can take you farther. Farther, farther than you could ever go.